Hi guys, and welcome to the Child of the Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Thank you for tuning in on episode two, where I will go into more detail about my reading year 2020. I will compare it to my reading years before, how I track my reading, and what I look forward to in 2021, because I feel that this year will become a turning point period in my reading. I'm super excited for this process, but let's first close the chapter of 2020, shall we? So, to recap this year, it was a good year of reading, but it was definitely not the best. I have the exact figures to underline that feeling of mine, but before we look at those in detail, let's quickly talk about how I actually track my reading. <laughs> Since 2017, I use the Goodreads app. I first started out with a little notebook, but because back then I discovered so many new books that I wanted to read, it quickly became unstructured and I wasn't really into it, to be honest. So... The Goodreads app for me was great because it not only gave me a chance to track all the books I read and also to organize them on shelves, which works sort of like categories, but it also gives you a synopsis of the book. It gives you all the stats about it, like the pages it has. It works as a little bookish social media cosmos where you could post if you feel like it. It creates lists of what comes out next. It gives out awards towards the end of the year to the most beloved releases. And overall, it is a really cool place to track my reading journey. But the feature I have grown very fond of is the end of year statistics. To be honest, as you might have heard in my first episode, I did not read as much as I would have liked during my school years. So back then I could just remember all the books that I read for fun. So this is either really embarrassing that I did not read as much or that now my brain power is diminishing with increasing age and I cannot remember all the books anymore. Anyway, Goodreads is really saving me here. So to compare my stats. In 2020, I read over 20,000 pages across 65 books. Compared to 2019, which was my strongest reading year so far, that is 12 books and 9,000 pages less. Don't get me wrong, this is still a very high amount and I'm super proud of that, especially because I'm working full-time and my work can get quite intense. <laughs> you know, looking back at my high school and university years, there would have been so much potential there for increasing my reading. But oh well, <laughs> you live and you learn. Now I have to deal with wanting to read a lot as an adult with a full-time job. <laughs> What really helped me in 2019 and the years before, though, in terms of reading, was my commute to and from work. I used the train, so I have no brain capacity that I need in order to move the vehicle, and I can do whatever I feel like. I can read, I can listen to music or podcasts or audiobooks, I can watch videos. So, of course, it was often annoying to have such a long commute of three to four hours a day, especially when the trains were delayed. But for my reading, it was honestly not the worst. Because of our increased home office situation in 2020, I did not have that commute very often. I was super thankful that we were able to switch so quickly to full home office mode. But because of the decreasing commute time and an increase in work involvement, I did not use the extra time I had in the morning at home to read, but to start work earlier in order to have more time in the evening when we would sit together in our apartment and watch a movie or a series 
groceries or I would do some housework in the morning. So overall, I'm still very proud of my achievement of 65 books this year. And I would love to tell you about some highlights. So before I go into my top three books of the year, which I already mentioned on my Instagram, I would like to give a shout out to a few books or series that I thoroughly enjoyed that didn't quite make the top list. By the way, if you don't follow me on Instagram yet, my account name is in the podcast description. <laughs> Some shameless self-promotion here. So the first one I want to talk about is the duology of Tiny Pretty Things and Shiny Broken Pieces. It is set in a very prestigious ballet academy in New York and is centered around a few main characters whose points of view you get to see and you really get a deep dive into their psyche, why they take all this on them to dance and perform, how they experience the academy, etc. They were all super distinctive, so it was very easy to actually realize from the way how it was written and what was happening, which character we are currently reading from which is unfortunately not always the case in multiple point of view books. And there is also a bit of mystery action going on and overall it was really enjoyable and I would recommend it to honestly everyone who likes dance topics in any way, even if it is not specifically ballet. I never did ballet growing up. I did it for two years when I was in university because it was a big improvement for my posture and back. So I had a slightly deeper insight in what they were talking about and that made it all the more enjoyable for me. Next up is Rebel by Marie Lu. To be honest, I just love her writing style. She can write about whatever topic she wants, I will buy it. I love her walkwash duology that was centered around a futuristic augmented reality video game set most of the time in Tokyo. And also her dystopian legend series was really great and to be honest helped me to start reading again after my school years. And the book that I read this year was the sequel to said legend trilogy and follows the younger brother of one of the main characters. I will not go into too much detail because it would spoil the entire trilogy, but let's say that this one was even more action-packed and gave this series the ending it deserved. I just love Mary Lou. I have not read all of her books yet, but where would be the fun in that? Then I would need to wait so long for another book. I'd rather take my time with them. So now, after these honorable mentions, let's get into my favorite books of the year 2020. The first one was actually a book that I read together with my book club, and that was The Nightingale by Christine Hanna. And boy, oh boy, this book was so good, but so frightening and heartbreaking at the same time. So we followed two sisters in France during World War II. They could not be more different. The older one is already settled down with husband and kids, but of course her husband needed to go to war. And the other one was kind of a wild child growing up and is filled with rebellious ideas and wants things to change. So while she joins the rebellion in France and helps in her own special way to make a mark in the war, her sister experiences Nazi occupation and all that comes with it. It really is a book that you need to be in the mood for and definitely not a fun little pick-me-up, but the story was so impactful, the writing style was great, the story was gripping and the family relationships were very well fleshed out. So overall, I can definitely recommend this to anyone who enjoys historical fiction from time to time. 
Another highlight of mine to stay in the historical fiction category was Lovely War by Julie Berry. This concept was so unique and perfect for me, you guys. So we are now in World War One, and yes, this one has a heavier romance element, but the whole story of the two couples in this is told by the Greek gods. <laughs> So in the prologue, we find ourselves in a hotel scene and the god of war Ares and the goddess of love, Aphrodite, are having a great time. So for everyone who is not that deep into all the Greek mythology shenanigans, they are not supposed to. <laughs> Aphrodite is technically married to another god, Hephaestus, the god of fire and smiths. And he knows about their little get-together, so in this hotel room he sets a trap for them both and feels, of course, very betrayed that his wife is cheating on him. So in order to calm her husband down, she offers to tell them a story about true love. And while she is taking over a lot of the narrative of the story, we also hear parts of the other gods. And the story itself, the concept, the banter between the gods and just everything was so incredibly enjoyable. I can also definitely recommend this one as an audiobook because it has a full cast and they do such a great job. Now, the third one is very near and dear to my heart because it just hit at the exact perfect time. You know when sometimes books just sort of find you in exactly the right moment? This one definitely did that for me. And it was The Merciful Crow by Margaret Owen. So I was in the situation at work that I was taking on a new role with more responsibility for my own group of employees. So definitely a time of change and a few adjustments, but also exciting new projects. And I did not really know what the book was about. I had gotten it in my book description box and for some reason I thought to start reading it and boy was I rewarded. So we have this kingdom that has a very divided caste system which is basically like different classes and each class has a unique magical ability. Our main character is from the lowest class and they have the task to burn the dead because this plague is terrorizing the kingdom and their class is the only one immune to that plague. And though the story gets some romantic and political elements throughout the chapters, one of the main plot points remains on our main character adjusting to that new role of responsibility within her gang. And I was so astonished by how well it fit. I mean, my magical abilities are very limited. Just imagine how one could tackle the workday if we could actually do some magic here and there. But the basic structures were very well fitted and the whole world and the characters were great and oh, it was just amazing. I am recommending this duology to everyone. I also recommend to go into it not knowing too much. So I will leave the synopsis here. I even went so far to buy Rebecca this book and because she had her birthday shortly after I finished it, I just thought, let's give it a go. I need someone to talk about the brilliance of this book. And she loved it too. So I'm strengthened in my opinion that this is a great recommendation. And I also learned that Goodreads is very helpful and it can really help with the community ratings of the book to give you an indicator to whether you like a book or not. But it is not the whole truth because this, my favorite book of 2020, only has a 3.91 stars. But I will happily die on the hill where this book has a five star rating. So these are just a few highlights of my reading year. There were definitely many more books. So if you ever need a book recommendation, feel free to write me on Instagram or an email. But not only books were a highlight in 2020 for me, but also a new form of bookish content. 
podcast. To be honest, until this November, I did not really know that there were entertaining book podcasts out there. But when I found the ones that I liked, I was blown away by how nice this format can be. It's basically just like listening to someone talk about books. And I enjoy that so much, especially during lockdown and through my several months of home office. I sometimes like to have someone talk to me. It is sad. I know. But this gave me the final push to make a podcast of my own, so I'm not complaining too much. Overall, a very exciting 2020, at least on that front. But now let's close that chapter, as we all need to move on from that year, and look into what I plan in 2021. One of my upcoming episodes will be my To Be Read pile, or TBR, where I go through the books that I most look forward to. But to finish this episode off, I already hinted that I have the feeling that I am in the process of a changing reading taste. And that is because I realized that while a lot of young adult books are still very entertaining to me, the ones that always stand out as very special are more and more adult books, like the ones that have a lasting impression on me and are like not more of a flyby entertainment. So I think that in this coming year, it will probably shift even more. And to find that out, I also have got three authors on my list that I really want to read more or for the first time. And these are, and I will talk a bit more about this in a second, Stephen King, Haruki Murakami and Brandon Sanderson. Now hear me out, before I get the first message about Mareike, why do you just have male authors on your list, female authors are also great, they definitely are. As of right now, I would say I read 85% female authors, so men in my book universe are in the minority. So I'm trying to expand my reading portfolio here. But you might also ask yourself why I picked these three in particular. Stephen King, known as the King of Horror, was always fascinating to me because I could not imagine how someone could create such an atmosphere in a book without, you know, like dark lighting, scary background music, etc., but just with words. But because I'm such a chicken, I thought I could never read one of his books. I kid you not, I'm afraid of so many things. Like I feel really uncomfortable in the dark. I hate long hallways. Even at home with my parents, we did not have like an endlessly long hallway. But you could not see the full thing because it had a bend at the end. So as a child, when I went to the bathroom at night, there was always that part of the hallway that I could not see and I felt so uncomfortable. This even scarred me so much that I always said that when I grew up i want to have an open living space without any hallway whatsoever and on purpose or not our current apartment is exactly that open so at least that fear could get tackled anyway <laughs> i digress so stephen king thought i could never read him but then i discovered that he also wrote science fiction and dystopian novels and i was like what great news I'm currently reading The Long Walk by him under the synonym Richard Bachman, which is great so far. It is basically an adult update from The Hunger Games, which I love too, as you heard in my first episode. So if you could stomach that, this book should also not be a problem, at least until the point that I have read until now. The second one is Haruki Murakami. He's a Japanese author and a lot of his stories are set in Tokyo. So under the fact that A, we cannot travel right now, B, I always wanted to go to Tokyo and C, I want to dive more into Asian literature, this sounds just like the perfect combo for me. Plus, his books are supposed to always be a bit weird, so that will be a welcome step 
out of my comfort zone. And last but not least, there's Brandon Sanderson. He's a very well-known and very well-loved fantasy author, and I have also already read one of his more famous trilogies. The Miss Bond trilogy can only recommend great books, great world-building, where you can perform magic if you ingest different types of metal, so also very unique. Great plot, great twists, fabulous ending. And I just have the feeling that his other fantasy and sci-fi books will be right up my alley too. But I have to be in the right mood because his books are massive bricks. So I need a lot of time at my hands. So yeah, these are my reading plans and goals for the new year. This year, I definitely want to read over 55 books. Let's see how this is going to go. If you have got any book or author recommendation that you want me to check out, or you want to tell me about what you plan to read in 2021, or if you want a recommendation yourself, Just drop me a note, I would love to hear from you. And until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye!